0: Asking the right questions will unlock your best life. They are the keys to enjoying more clarity, passion, balance, and confidence. Hi, I'm Todd Parker.
1: And I'm Bridget Sampson. We're certified executive and life coaches, communication professors, trainers, consultants,
0: and most importantly, Parents. We're also dear friends who love diving into those deep conversations about life, relationships, family, and careers.
1: All things about being a curious and compassionate human on this planet. So please
0: join us, and we know you'll find something valuable that resonates with wherever you are on your journey. Welcome back to the Right Questions podcast. I am your co-host, Todd Parker, and this is episode 24. Bridget, what is happening today? How are
1: you? 24. I'm wonderful, and I'm very excited to have a conversation with one of my favorite people in the world today. So very, very happy. Yeah, we're very lucky.
0: I feel fortunate that we get to have these conversations with our friends who are in positions of of leadership and influence and that we get to pick their brains and get all this insight is to, yes. you know, how to do things and some tips and some tricks. You know, <laughs> we're always trying to bring you things that, like we say, will enhance your life, that'll build you up, that'll help you navigate things that you're dealing with in life. And We know that there's a number of leaders who listen to this program who we work with. And so today we have a a fantastic leader on, but before we get to her, I had a thought as I always do in leading up to this podcast. Um, I was thinking about, uh, so I, last night I got to go out with uh, my partner, Rebecca, and we, we went to dinner. You know, we try to, Monday nights, we try to get out to dinner. We don't have our children on Monday nights. And so we're blending our families and we were just, we take the time to have like, I don't call them like one-on-ones, but really connect because there's <laughs> with five children between the two of us and two houses that continue to come closer together, it can be difficult and, and a struggle. And our guests can probably relate to some of this. Um, <laughs> and it requires like a level of transparency and a lot of vulnerability and a lot of care for the relationship to build this trust that, and to create clarity around like what the vision is for the future and how we're going to go about doing things. Cause it's new every single day. So, I tell that in preparation and in anticipation of this conversation with our guest, because I think it relates. So without giving away too much more, I'm going to, I know at this point we would normally reveal the question of the show, but we're not going to do that just yet. We're just going to welcome our guest, (laughs) and then we're going to uh, introduce her. But I'm going to throw it to Bridget for the official.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a lovely opening, Todd, and I love the idea of of a one-on-one with your partner. (laughs) I think Neil would like that too, my (laughs) partner. And yeah, and I appreciate the reference to the mindfulness of that and the the blended family, which you and our guests share, and something we want to talk about, in addition to all the fantastic leadership concepts and communication concepts that we're going to talk about. But let me take a minute to introduce our guest, Samantha Zengit. Yay. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Sam, thank you. We are
1: so happy. Sorry.
0: Thank you for coming on and having this discussion (laughs) with us. It's an honor to have you.
1: My pleasure. Yes, we're so happy to have this conversation with you. So I'll just take a minute. I'm going to do a quick introduction, and then we're going to get into all kinds of really important topics that are going to be so helpful for our listeners and for us to discuss, because I always learn so much from you, Sam. So Sam is one of our clients and our friend. So she is the chief operations officer, C-suite power leader woman. I am so inspired by her at H-Wave, Electronic Waveform Lab Incorporated, which is a fantastic, well, we'll have her tell us about it, but it's a pain management device that there's a funny story in there about how we were doing training at your site and Todd was in pain. (laughs) And one of your lovely folks was like, well, let's put the H-Wave, you know, device on you. And it really worked and it made his pain go away. So we're spokespeople for your company as well. But so she is the COO, which one of the things I want to get to is like, what does it even mean to be a COO? In my mind, it's like, oh my gosh, it must be so much work and you have to do everything and be in charge of everything. But we'll have you tell us about that when we talk about what you do. She has her master's of business administration for Pepperdine in organizational leadership and change management so she's just brilliant and highly educated so smart got so much wisdom but she's a dear friend as I said our husbands our spouses have been long long time buddies way back since college so I've known her husband Steve since college which is 30 years ago. <laughs> (laughs) So we have had some amazing times together. And even though Sam hasn't been around for that whole time in the time that she has, I feel like it's like 30 years of friendship. I feel like we, we fast forwarded on the friendship thing. Like the first night we met, we were like, okay, you know, we were just all in and it's been an amazing journey. Now we've been away on trips together and just, I miss you. We don't see each other enough. And I adore you. I hope you know that. (laughs) And yeah, and not only that, like to have a friend who's such a dear friend to invite us to trust my company, to trust Todd and me, to come in and design content around communication, leadership, change management, diversity and inclusion, right? You've brought us in and, and shared with us, you know, what's going on with your company and how we can support your efforts and you do so much training yourself. So to put that trust in us and bring us in and partner with us in that way has been incredibly meaningful for us. And I
2: just want to say thank you for that.
1: Of course.
2: No, you know, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, both you and Todd not only are obviously friends of mine and and certainly Steve and, but, you know, we're always striving at H-Wave to find people who exemplify the values that we have at H-Wave and you'd be surprised. It's sometimes challenging to find outside resources that speak to the same values that we do. And, and um, both you and Todd have always done that. So we so appreciate that oh, too. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, every time we're there, we just feel completely at home and we know that a big part of that is the environment and the culture that you helped to build there, you know? I mean, there's a, there's a reason that people feel that way about being there, being in the space and being with the folks, the amazing folks who work there, who we've been so lucky to connect with. So how about, do you wanna know the question, Sam? <laughs> yes, I'm dying,
2: I'm dying with all the intro I mean, it's a beautiful intro, don't get me wrong, but
0: You're such a good sport I You're know. a really good sport No, because <laughs> she doesn't know, Sam doesn't know the question she, She's, there had been no preparation We're going to reveal it right here to her live So go ahead, Bridget
1: We let her know yesterday We're going to let her know the question today And she's like, cool, that's great, I'm up for it Which is just very much an example of of the adventurous spirit that she possesses So, you know, Sam is a voracious reader as are we. And one of our big fans is Brene Brown. For those who are watching on YouTube, you know, we've read, I think, most of Brene Brown's books and we talk about them. And this is a really important book, Dare to Lead, because it's all about leadership and leading from the heart, right? And what that really looks like. And you exemplify that, Sam. You are a leader and we've seen it. We've seen you in action. We've talked to the folks who work on your teams, right? We know that you really live up to this idea of servant leadership, which we've talked about in a past episode. And so in Brene Brown's book, one of the big concepts is she she says, she has this little quote, clear is kind. Clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And when we think of you, Sam, and all the times we've spent with you, we are just Struck by how clear you are. From the get-go of a project, it's like you are just on point. Like you are so clear about what's needed, what's going to happen, every single little detail. If there's a problem, I know you're going to be perfectly clear, transparent. This is the problem. This is how we're going to fix it. But you're also incredibly kind. You're going to give feedback. You're never going to avoid the hard conversations, right? You are, you are in there all the way for the hardest of conversations. And we know that because we've had them with you. We've seen you have them. We've talked to people who've had them with you, but it's always going to feel kind. It's being clear to be kind, to give people the gift of the truth, right? Whether whether the truth is what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear is irrelevant. (laughs) It's that it's the gift of the truth. So our question for you is really about how on earth do you embody that in such a magnificent way? And how can I be clear and kind is our question of the
2: day. This is such a beautiful question because I've actually been speaking with my staff specifically about this over the last several weeks. We've had at each wave some you know, like most businesses during this time frame, some turnover and, and some really new staff. And one of the things that I've spent some significant time talking with that new staff is about the three things that I really find critical to the culture of my leadership. And those three things are transparency, authenticity, and kindness. And I speak about it directly with each and every staff member. In fact, I just did it today. And so I think there's a couple of things, and Brene Brown speaks to it beautifully, but I'll say for me as a leader, I think the challenge with not being transparent and clear and authentic about who you are is that the message gets garbled, It gets really garbled if you're trying to message something inauthentic, if you're trying to communicate something to a staff member, your spouse, your children, you know, whoever your the audience is. I think if you're not communicating in a way that is very directive, I think it loses meaning and there you run the risk of lack of clarity, right? That doesn't mean though that you can't be kind. And it reminds me of a something I read a long time ago, and I'll just share a little bit about my own history. So I always joke with my staff, I'd be scared to be led by me 10 years ago because that person was a very different person than I am today. And I remember reading something and, and I wish I could appropriately attribute it to somebody, but I can't. But the message is really true, is I used to brag that I was brutally honest. And the truth is, is that brutally honest is more brutal than is is honest. And the reality of it is, is that H-Wave we practice feed forward. Meaning that we talk with our staff a lot about how we want people to move forward, how we want to drive behavior in the right way. And that comes from a place of kindness because the truth is, is you can't change what you've done in the past. What's happened has already happened. What I can do is communicate with you in a very clear, transparent way about how I would like you to move forward differently. So, for example, if I'm asking somebody to communicate in an email with more clarity or more transparency about our back end process, because as a COO, so much of our communication is about you know what we're doing behind the scenes, right? We're not the sales team. We're not we're not a group of people that are you know often customer facing, and so our communication is about what is our process, and oftentimes we talk about. Clarity and transparency around how do we truly share with that end user um, what we're doing behind the scenes and the why. And one of the things that we talk about as it pertains to those emails, or if we're verbally having a conversation, is how you communicate with somebody about what you want them to do, how you want them to approach something, meaning that feed forward piece, but how you're recognizing tone. What is your word choice? Those are the things that I think are really important. And then, of course, what I pull in also and spend a lot of time training my staff on is emotional intelligence, is how to read the room, how to read the person. What do they need from you in order to grab the message you so desperately want them to hear? And I always say this, right, when it comes to personal relationships, I wish I could say that I practice all of these things with my husband <laughs> and my children and all that. I would be lying if I said that that was true. Um, but when it comes to my staff, I seem to have a much better ability to communicate with them in a way that, you know, I saw you do very emotionally
0: intelligent things just now with Steve, with your partner there just before we came on. It was, it was on point. So I don't know. Give yourself more credit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, what you're saying is so powerful, Sam. And I, I feel like you almost don't recognize how important what you're saying is and how rare it is that you're able to do that. Because how did I coach? You know, we're executive coaches. I have coached leaders at very high levels who we plan a, a difficult conversation and we have a whole coaching conversation, a whole coaching session to plan a difficult conversation. And they have come back to me and said, I wasn't able to say it.
2: I, I, s- I it. softened I it.
1: it. They didn't get it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There are probably just, people like, oh, listening love. who've had those I conversations with me.
0: Sandwiched, it. I gave yep. too many compliments. Yep. They I didn't, lost it. They right.
1: didn't walk away. They didn't get it. We or we didn't. You know, we didn't document like all the things we know that you do, and I just don't want you to take for granted that like everybody's just out there doing that. This it's something really, really unique and special about you. I mean, a lot of people are working toward it, but. You described it so perfectly, like that clarity and like, and I, f- I do feel that way about you as a friend also. And when we're together in a social way, you're just going to say what you think. I mean, honestly, if the food in the restaurant does not come out prepared the way you've asked for it to be prepared, you're going to, ex- in an extremely kind, but very clear way, make that known and, and make it known, you know, what you would like, and, but you're never going to get like riled and like, I've never seen that brutally. It's really interesting to hear you say about the brutally honest Sam that existed 10 years ago. Cause I've never seen her in the years that I've known you. She really put her to bed.
2: <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. That's so sweet. Bridget. You know, I think for me, I just really focus on, treating people in the way I want to be treated. And I know that seems like an adage that we talk about all the time, but I'll say this and my staff think I'm insane, but I say this, (laughs) I love hard conversations. You love hard hard conversations. Oh my gosh. (laughs)
0: What what do you love about it? Oh
2: my gosh. Because I feel like such a rock star when I come away from a conversation when my staff members have gone through several changes of command, right? Because as a COO, there are several people before me. In fact, I had a conversation just yesterday with a staff member, unfortunately, about coming back into the office. And she was feeling really challenged with that. So she had talked to our manager and our manager's manager and our HR manager. And so she said, I really want to talk with Sam. And so I had this conversation with her. And and at the end of the conversation, she said to me, Sam, I just feel so cared for and heard and we came to a mutually beneficial agreement on how she was going to come back and so that we could get ultimately at the end game that I felt most comfortable with. But I love those conversations because I feel like I've really helped someone and I'm at a stage in my career and I talk to my team about this all the time that it's really about what I'm giving to my staff, not what they're giving to me. I talk about that all the time with my staff is that my job is to serve them. How are they going to be the best leaders? How are they going to give the most they can to the business? And then how do we make sure that their experience at work is as pleasant and wonderful as we can possibly make it to be? Which, by the way, has been as challenging as it's ever been in my 20 year career during COVID. Um, but I love hard conversations. I want to be the person. I feel like I'm kind of like the boxer, like, put me in coach. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. what, I, that. I have a question in
0: there about, about that because we, you know, you know, we teach difficult conversations, right? It's a, it's a topic, how to have difficult conversations, how to approach difficult conversations, what to say in difficult conversations, all the, the skills, maybe some suggestions for those things. I have two questions. So one is I'm going to, this is an assumption I'm making that you didn't call them difficult conversations. You said hard conversations, challenging conversations, challenge, not difficult conversations. So you changed the word. But I, before you even said that, I was thinking maybe she, you know, your mindset is so different around and your approach to this conversation. How do you frame it for yourself? And what is your process in preparing for what some might consider a difficult conversation to maybe have it not be that? Like, what do you do?
2: That's such a great question. So I think for me, this is a a big part of what I teach my staff about difficult conversations or challenging conversations is, is it's never, I never show up to the conversation, making it at all about me. I... Totally. Because what I do is I show up really wanting to listen and understand what the person's trying to communicate. And then the other piece that I do, because I ultimately have to get to something that's mutually agreeable, right? So I can't completely allow the conversation to be about what that person wants. But then I share with them the challenge I have. So what, for example, utilizing the conversation I had yesterday about the staff member, I listened to the person for about 20 minutes. and am like, God, that I can understand how you feel that way. And I might use some examples of how I have felt that way or another staff member has felt that way. And then I say to them, generally something like this, let me tell you the challenge I'm struggling with. And maybe you can help me decide how we could manage this together. So I approached that after I listened to this individual, I said, here's the challenge I'm dealing with. What are your thoughts on how we could work through that together? And they feel part of the situation. So I don't show up with, and I've said this a million times, and, and it's absolutely true. I, I do not show up to difficult or hard conversations with an ego. If you can show up to the conversation, having it be about the other person and that you're there to learn about what their challenges are, anything that comes from the conversation is a win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. That's
0: right. Uh, Yes. the book Change Your Questions, Change Your Life talks about these different mindsets of judger and learner, right? And we've talked about it together. I hear you talking about just that, right? Saying just that. And when I'm curious, when I seek to understand rather than, you know, judge or, or you know, pass criticism or whatever, right? When I'm curious about this person, they feel heard, they feel respected, and I they have a voice in solving the issue. And I would... I'd venture to guess, I'd speculate that they often do have a solution that we haven't thought of, right? And that's that we're there to serve. Then there's this creative idea and now everyone's winning and it came from them. And it's it's not a solution we would have ever arrived at. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened yesterday's conversation, right? That person came to me and, and after we talked and I explained to them the challenges that I'm having, I said, what's your suggestion? What are your thoughts that you might have? And the person suggested, well, what if I I started two days a week and then the next month I came three days a week. And then by January, I was back full time. And I was like, that sounds great. That's a great way. It feels good. That feels good to you. It makes me feel good because I'm not, you know, address, I'm, you know, able to address this other area of fairness for the other staff I've asked to come back. Um, And then the other thing that I think really helps with these conversations, and I say it all the time to my staff is, did I use my personal core values and H-Wave's core values to make a decision? So I always reverberate back to my staff. How are we utilizing the core values to talk about, discuss, come up with solutions or address a serious problem at H-Wave? And that gets us really thinking about. So for H-Wave, right, our three core values are patient results, passion and family. So... When we talk about, particularly internally, when we talk about issues with staff, right, that or patient result challenges as it pertains to our operational efficiencies, when we talk about solutions and we go back to who we are as a business, it's really easy to see what are the solutions that make sense for us as a business and what are the solutions that aren't. And then when I think about me personally, because I wish I could say I was perfect all the time, right? I certainly am very passionate about H wave, and I'm passionate about what I do, and passionate in life, as as Bridget would say, right? There's my husband will always say, I never not know where Sam is. Like she know, I she lets me know how she's (laughs) going on all the time. There's no mystery to how Sam's feeling, right? And so that passion sometimes bubbles up in ways that maybe aren't productive. And so I always go back to what are my core values, transparency, authenticity, and kindness. And so how I show up is if I'm emotional about something where I can't show up in a way that isn't about me, then I've got to say to myself, okay, What are your core values? How do you want to leave the building tonight knowing you manage to the team in a way that speaks to who you are as a person? That sets the stage for a much more productive and, you know, beautiful conversation. Those are the things I really rely on for those challenging or difficult conversations. I will say, though, I find training to those areas challenging. It is challenging to get staff to really understand that and buy into it because it's so easy to get your emotional elements mixed in with that other staff member. So it's a challenging area to train on for sure.
0: There's a courage, a bravery, right? We've done a previous podcast about moving from your comfort zone to your courage zone, right? And there's this this leap because there's a vulnerability involved in these challenging, difficult conversations from, from all sides. And so to reveal and perhaps be wrong, to reveal something and as the leader make the wrong choice, right, at, at which we, we've all made. But that takes a level of courage and also self-concept, right, strong self-concept and leadership to make those choices. So I do have a question in there as well, right, because I know, Sam, that you you do a lot of work. You said 10 years ago, you were not the same person. You do a lot of work on yourself outside of the office, right? You, I, you retreats and reading and feeding and watering your mind in ways that we all recommend, but not everybody does. So could you speak to a little bit about what your process is for self care and for, and for like, you know, development?
2: Sure. So I think there's a couple of things to note about me as a person. I think the first thing is, is that I came from a very wealthy family. And when I left to go to college, that was incredibly eye-opening, the difference in socioeconomic elements within corporate America. I started working when I was 14. I started managing teams when I was 18. And my upbringing was very, very different than so many of the staff members that I was working with or colleagues of mine or that I led. And it became really clear really quickly that I needed to understand and be clear and open to hearing other people's experiences. And through the course of my career, going to grad school, doing a lot of retreat work, becoming friends with people that had a very different life experience than I did. And really, to be honest with you, asking questions that sounded stupid, asking questions about things that made a lot of people feel like that maybe that's something Sam should know, or maybe she should have read something about that. And instead, I'm willing to put myself out there and to hold myself accountable, to ask the questions that people aren't willing to ask or afraid to ask. And I think when I think about my career, I have learned more. And I obviously have, there's, as I've grown in my career, there's been lots of hierarchies I've been a part of, but I have learned more from my frontline staff than any group of people I've ever worked with. And that's including every executive team I've ever sat on, every leadership Retreat I've gone on just asking people about who they are, how they got here. What makes a good career to them? What are the things that they're passionate about? What would they like their work experience to be like? And those are so different from mine. I remember one time I had an employee say to me, and this was a painful talk about this level of authenticity because there is the other side of authenticity for sure, right? Because when your staff know you, they know you. And so I had a staff member once, and I'll never forget, it was so critical to who I am today. She said something interesting. She said, Sam, you are working so hard for everyone to be you, and not everybody wants to be. Not everybody wants to sit in your seat. Not everybody wants to take the calls at eight o'clock at night. Not everybody wants to be on the conference call on Sunday afternoon. Not ever take a full vacation. Like, Not everybody wants to be you and you have to let go of that drive that everybody does. And that was a real learning experience for me really changed the game for sure.
1: And an example of clear is kind too, right? Because that person, that must've been hard for whoever that was to say that to you, right? But of course you're incredibly receptive and open to personal growth and learning about yourself and your own blind spots, right? And it felt kind. I don't know if it felt kind in the moment, but ultimately it it was really kind feedback and input for that person to give you.
2: Well, it felt kind because I felt like the person wanted me to understand something that I wasn't understanding. Like to me, there's, what I don't think is kind is to hide things from people. What I think is kind is to give me or any of my staff or colleagues or friends or spouse or whatever, an opportunity to look at something differently, to see it differently and to widen that scope, right? We are all in this very, small view that we look at the world. And the more I'm able to see that view expand, the more I see things so differently. And it's, it's just such a, it's, it's really incredible gem.
0: I would argue that that only expands, well, I shouldn't say only, but the way that expands exponentially, dramatically is through other people, that we require other people To As you said, you've uh, learned so much from the people you work with just by having a curious mindset and asking questions, right? That's how you develop into the leader that you are today. But that's a choice you make as a leader to adopt that and, like you said, to be a servant, to be in servant leadership and to seek that out and put it, not just know it, but put it into practice for the people that are with you. And like Bridget said at the outset, this isn't um like a guess, like just now you know, Bridget and I right, we've been with your staff, with you and your staff, but we've been in private meetings with a lot of your staff, right? And individual coaching to hear what they say about their experience with you, with the company. And so it's not lip service. We're not making this stuff up. This is really what's happening at your company and your organization at H-Wave. And it's impressive. I think it's a excellent example, right? You talked about the how, and then you just hit on the why it's clear, why it's kind to be clear, which is it gives people the information and the ability to then do something, take action and accomplish, perhaps if we've been clear enough, that overarching vision that we have in the family, with our partner, at the organization, et cetera. It's kind. Yeah.
2: and, And here's what I would say. I think this is an important point that I share all the time when people talk to me about my management style is, is that it is hard to do this kind of work. I don't want to minimize the challenges it takes personally. It is, you have to show up with a very small ego. You have to be willing to take the feed forward. Sometimes you have to be willing to take the punches in order to really learn about who you are and who you want to be. And and I would say this, that, and I say it when we interview new executives at H-Wave, because I was the first non-family member executive, I always tend to get kind of a last question. And the last question is always, if you were to tell yourself one thing, you know, at the beginning of your time at H-Wave, what would that have been? And I always say it's, you've got to show up humble because if you don't show up humble our business at H-Wave. And I think servant leadership will crush you because you've got to show up being willing to have both sides of the coin. So when you get an exit interview that may not be as pleasant and wonderful as you would like it to be, you've got to sit with it and think about how can I do this differently? Or when somebody raises their hand and says, hey, you know, I think we need to look at this differently. Or just what happened last week, I was making a joke with my CEO where my HR manager came to me and said, I think you made the wrong decision here. And I was like, okay, talk to me. Tell me why. Um, And she told me why. And I said, I totally agree with you. Let's go with your thoughts. We're going to go with hers. And my CEO said to me, doesn't she know you're never you know, wrong. And I always say to him, and he's saying that as a joke because he knows me. And I said to him, the truth is is she would know if I said that to her, that that wasn't actually even coming from me because I would never say like that. I'm wrong all the time. So that means you have to be willing to grow all the time. And that shedding of who you were yesterday and who you are today is not always easy. And you have to be willing to do it for your staff, if nothing else. Yes. Yeah. I want to, touch on
1: something you talked a little bit about your upbringing and your background and you said I grew up wealthy I mean obviously we're all white we're aware of and trying very much to learn about you know all the people in our lives as you're saying and and you I know you have a very diverse staff and that you've done you brought us in and others to do diversity training and learn about equity and but I, I want to say, because you present yourself in this particular way, that it's also important to know, as I know you personally, that you are one of the most committed people I've ever known to justice and equity and all of your posts and your, the way you live your life and the things you devote time to and money to and all of what you do and what you do internally around making sure that the staff, that it's a safe space and that people are, people's cultures and lives and Situations are fully understood. Like that saying about bring your whole self to work. I think it's a lot of companies give lip service to, but you really do it, and you really welcome the diversity of of perspectives and experiences of all the folks you lead and work with. And and I see that in you. And so I just want to make sure that's clear. You know, my, you know, my daughter and I do LGBTQ education. Sam's like the first one to comment on our post, like cheering us on and promoting what we're doing. And you know, so she is that person and that that force, that spirit. She has the great, the biggest, biggest heart for justice and love. And, and you know, on the surface, it can often seem, listening to Sam talk, it's like, wow, okay, this is what I'm thinking anyway. She's this amazing powerhouse of a woman like who just is so strong, but she's had her share of adversity as well. And she shares that very clearly and openly and kindly in her genuine desire to connect with people on that human level. She's willing to share the challenges she's had you know, going through divorce, being a single mom, then being part of a blended family, which you handle just spectacularly of the four kids being, they're all your kids and you're, you're, no, I, I don't know what it's like. I see you and Todd navigating this. I'm just like, that's amazing. But also we were talking about this before we got onto the mics that you are, I, if I heard correctly, identify as a person with a disability now because of a diagnosis that you've had in over the last year and a half or so. So, Can you tell us about how you bring your transparency about all those experiences to
2: your leadership and who you are? Sure. Well, I I think the first thing that's really important to note is is that I came to H-Wave because I was offered an opportunity to build the culture that I wanted to build. And so I think that's a really important piece to highlight is I think that someone has to be in a safe space to be able to. Implement the change that I wanted to make and to implement an environment where perspectives are heard and we have a very multicultural team and views that are different are okay to be expressed. You may not need to agree with them, but we want to be open and honest and transparent and kind, right? So I chose H Wave and I had spent 20 years in equity investment and I chose to go to a company that was owned by a family. Because our CEO and the owners of our company allowed me an opportunity to do that. So I think that's really important. I wouldn't necessarily suggest in every company that you, you know, have the ability to do that, but I've been very blessed to have that at H Wave. And that was a big consideration when I came to H Wave. That being said, I mean, I think, you know, the challenges I've had in my own life have obviously shaped who I am as a person. Certainly, I was diagnosed with epilepsy about two and a half years ago, which was a really significant shock, to be honest with you. It was a shock not only because I'd never had any health challenges in my life. It was a shock because I have a disability that I've had since I was born. So it's not something that came to me or a disease that I got. I've had it my whole life and didn't know. And as I've aged, I had started to have the effects of my left temporal lobe epilepsy. And to go through that process, really in front of my staff with my executive team, the process of going through many doctors who said, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Struggling with medication. If you know anything about epilepsy or even medication that you take for depression and anxiety, it, you know, getting on and off medication is incredibly challenging. Those experiences And how I was treated by my own staff and how I was treated by my CEO, who's not only my friend, but who was one of the first people that I told that I was struggling with this. My executive staff and team who were incredibly supportive. You know, there was times when I thought, God, maybe they wouldn't want a COO that has this problem. You know, I mean, I was graced by the grace I had given. And then in addition to that, to be able to utilize that experience when I sit down with employees who are struggling in whatever way they are, I just have that much more empathy for people's personal scenarios and situations. And I've been incredibly lucky, really, really lucky. I'm
0: kind of silent because I'm just thinking back on my own experience and I won't get into it, but, I've, ha- you know, we all have health challenges, right? Mine came young when I was like 16 to 18 and it was in the form of an autoimmune thing that where when you say the doctors told you all that, it's like, well, I, I don't know. So the confusion that comes with that and the uncertainty, and then you feel like you're kind of crazy and like, you're like, they're like telling you you're making stuff up. It's like, well, no, I, I I'm experiencing these things. Like it's not in just in my head. Right. And all of that while leading an organization and having to be present and on, and then, you know, with the pandemic happens right? and that there's so, so Sam, How do you balance that then, right? Because you're still talking about showing up in all these ways where your staff reflects back to you, like, I feel heard, I feel cared for, I feel safe, right? I feel included, I feel like I have a voice, I feel like I belong, right? So you're meeting all those needs while also somehow taking care of yourself. Like, how are you balancing all this?
2: I have to be honest with you, I am incredibly lucky. I have such an amazing spouse. And I really say that, in all honesty, all jokes aside, you know, I have an amazing husband. He does so many of what most people would think are the traditional kind of female duties. He does the laundry. He does the dishes. He makes sure that we're door dashing because that's what we do during the week. He manages the kids' schedules. He does so much to make it work. And then on top of all of that, he runs a very successful business and then makes sure I have time in the bathtub every night because I'm a big bath person. So he really provides self-care as a value that he knows I need. So he reflects the things that I need. And I'm just incredibly blessed in that way. To be honest, also, I mean, financially, I'm in a place that I can have a nanny. And I think it would be disingenuous not to say that self-care is helped along when you have financial resources to support those additional things. In addition to that, I'll say this in all honesty and transparency. I mean, we both, my husband and I both have ex-spouses that take our children every other weekend. So we have every other weekend to be together alone, to enjoy that time coming back together after a long week. We prioritize, you know, friendships and things like that. You know, we go out with Bridget and Neil and, and we have a close group of couple friends that we truly spend time with and enjoy And those things refuel us. And then, of course, I'll be honest with you, individual travel, I think, is really important. What I mean by that, I don't mean just individual travel, like as an individual, going on trips individually, I think is important. But I mean, I prioritize, as does Steve, we take trips every year, usually international before COVID, hopefully once again. But we take trips alone. And we make that a priority at least three or four times a year. And that means without the other
0: one or to alone no, no, together? No, no. Okay, okay. Without the kids.
2: <laughs> without the yeah, exactly. kids. Yeah. Oh, I I'm to clarify, yeah. it's more clarity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also, and I think for a blended family, this is really important. And I'll just say this again. This is just my opinion. Blended family is not easy. It is not an easy thing to do. Six years in, there are days where it's very, very challenging. But there's two things that I think I would share in that area when it comes to self-care. One is in the very beginning of our relationship, Steve and I went to a therapist and she told me something that blew my mind. She said, do you know that most children, it takes four years of a relationship with a step-parent to have any real association with that parent, that step-parent as a parent. So you, Samantha, should not ever be involved in disciplinary elements until you're past that four or five year mark. And I will tell you that has been, that was life changing. I never, if there's a problem with any of the kids, I handle the disciplinary issues with Addison and Steve handles the disciplinary issues with his children. We talk about it. We discuss things behind the scenes and how do we feel comfortable and what do we do as a couple? But those conversations are with the biological parent. So that's, that is a huge self-care tip I would give any blended family. And then the second piece that I think that my wonderful mother-in-law, Janie Zangit, told me once because she was also an amazing stepmom to my husband. And she gave me a little piece of advice that I just absolutely loved. And she said, at the end of the day, you have to let the biological parent feel like you're there no matter what that no matter what decisions are made, no matter what challenges come with the kids, that your relationship is the most important thing above anything else. And so when Steve and I are having a disagreement about something, Steve and I will both remind each other, depending upon who's more upset, you know, that our relationship is the most important. And I think those are the two things. And I put those under the heading of self-care because when you have a blended family, the way you handle blended family challenges have to be a part of your self care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Those are amazing tips, Sam. I had not heard those things before, and it's so interesting to hear you say these things because they make perfect sense. And there's also this sense with with when I'm with you and the family and see photos and that they're our kids, that they're our kids. So I'm I'm now in my mind, my mind's kind of making sense of like, oh, that's interesting. So she presents to the world. And I'm sure as a family, when you're all together, like you're all our kids. Like I feel that you love all the kids as we love our, we all love our kids, right? Like with all your heart, but behind the scenes, you are mindful to think of how it feels for them and how it would be to be disciplined by someone who's really not, doesn't feel to you like your actual parent yet anyway. Like that four year mark, I think that's so fascinating. It just makes so much sense to me. And it's so compassionate. It's so kind, you know, it's clear and it's kind. And it's like, you're gonna discipline your kid, you know, just because of, again, we can create this feeling and truly believe they're all our kids. But when it comes to that one aspect, that just makes so much sense to me, to to be kind to the kids in that way.
0: There was a choice that you and Steve made to um, create clarity between the two of you, because we're talking about, you know, as the topic here, being uh, clear is kind, that they're being kind to one another, right? It removes assumptions. I call it like thinking in the dark, where we just don't know what the other person's thinking or feeling whether that's at H-Wave or whether that's with your kids or whether that's with your, with your partner or with your spouse, it's just, it's kind to have what could be difficult, challenging conversations. It's kind to address the substance of the thing that's there and be real about it rather than not because it doesn't serve any of us really very well to do the alternative.
2: Yeah, and I think the other piece that's important when you think about And I love what Bridget said, because that's absolutely true. Steve and I think all of our children are our children, right? So that is an important piece to how we run our family. But I think the other piece of it is is that you do have to recognize that there are other adults that are not in your nuclear family, meaning your ex-spouses that play a role sometimes in a more significant way and sometimes maybe in a less way that those children have already associated a significant bond with. And I think for me, when I think about disciplinary actions or discussions about poor behavior or whatever the circumstances might be that might be uncomfortable, I want for me, I want to be the person that my children, particularly my stepdaughters and my stepson come to me that say, you know, Sam was always incredibly kind and loving and was there for me. I don't want them to be thinking about me in a way that, you know, Sam was always harping about this on me and Sam was always, to, because you don't have that same, at least my experience has been, and I have a stepmom of my own. You don't have that same level of, you know, attachment necessarily to your step certainly in the beginning. And I've had a stepmom who is like my own mom for 38 years of my life. And I absolutely love her. She's amazing. But I have a dad and I have a mother. And so I want to also be really respectful of the other parents. And their role and what they believe. And so, like I said, that doesn't diminish the conversation Steve and I have behind the scenes. He knows how I feel. I give him suggestions, sometimes ask when he asks, sometimes not. So I give him suggestions and I'll say, and I say this all the time, Steve and my parenting styles are completely different. So we are very different in how we approach parenting, but we are both really willing to allow the other person to parent their children, meaning their biological children, in the way that they think is best. But that doesn't diminish my love for my stepkids.
0: Well, that's clarity again around, you know, what's going to work and what creates compatibility for the family, for yourself and and for Steve. In every capacity, clear is kind. It arms us with the ability to, to choose, to choose and to act, to be empowered, to do all those things. And when we shirk that, right, when we diminish that either in our families or, you know, in the workplace, in our organizations, everything, well, I won't say suffers, I just say isn't as, as good as it could be, perhaps.
2: The other point that I think is really important is the clarity about what you will and will not accept as a value. And let me share what I mean by that. So, for example, if you have a child or an employee or however you, whatever kind of circumstance you want that to be, and you have somebody, let's say, commenting on a particular, let's say, political issue or whatever the circumstance might be, where you might consider that a difficult conversation, right? Even in my own family, we have very differing views about particular topics, right? There are a value set that I am really clear about, So for example, if I say, this is my boundary, these are the things that I'm willing to have conversations with you about. I'm willing to listen to your side. I'm hearing you. I want to have a kind conversation, but we've already had the conversation about these things. I've been clear, you've been clear, and we're not going to be able to meet in the middle on this. So here are also my clear boundaries. And I think that goes to what I was saying about stepchildren and how everybody has to determine for themselves in their own relationship how they manage that. But I also think when you think about really differing views on things which are part of our everyday experience now whether it's at work or at home or in your social life, I think it's really important to also be clear, like for example in my own family, I've had to be very clear. These are topics we're not going to discuss. Or I'm leaving the room. I love you. I love you tremendously. But we're not going to go there. I
1: think you are one of the only people on the face of the planet right now that's handling that with so much grace, honestly. (laughs) Because it's really, really hard to do. On whatever side of whatever issue people are on, things are so divisive right now. And people are... Just trying so hard to, to continue to find ways to convince the other person to come around to their side. And if there's an opening for that, believe me, I'm all for it and I'll make my case. And I know you will as well, Sam, but you are so clear on the fact that once you hit a certain impasse, a certain point and there's no, there's nowhere to go from there. Just you can still be kind. You can still be kind and you can love each other
2: and you can talk about lots of other things, you know. Yeah, yes. Back to my core values, right? When I said like how I want to show up, it's the same thing in this kind of environment, right? I say to myself at the end of the day, how do I want to show up to this interaction? Let's say it's a Thanksgiving dinner with my family or a Sunday night dinner, whatever. And maybe we have a there's a topic that's brought up that it's not something that I want to discuss. Instead of myself getting emotionally invested and super upset, I just have to be clear And transparent and say, listen, this is not a topic I want to discuss because we're not going to see eye to eye here. So let's move on with this and enjoy our lovely Sunday dinner together. And that's taken some time for them to get used to and some time for everybody to agree to that. But it's made life, at least on this side of the fence, much better. And I want to practice the kindness I'm asking other people to do. So it's not always easy, but I think that clarity is, and the clearness that we're talking about is important in all aspects of your life.
0: You know, that's also being kind to yourself. Yes. Right. Like when you draw that, when we draw boundaries, we're treating ourselves well, it's setting, trying to set things up for success. So it's kindness outward and very much inward. If we tie it back to self-care and self-concept and being able to trust yourself and, have the courage to have that conversation until you 're no longer going to have that conversation and know be clear with yourself about where that line is you know that takes thought intention right so the i don 't know meditation trips right unplugging <laughs> connecting with you like there's you, sam you've offered so much richness and so many suggestions for everyone who's listening to the show, like, you know, leaders in their family, leaders in their, you know, personal professional lives about, and maybe we don't take all of it, but if I listen to this maybe five or six times, I could pick something out and try to go take what you've said and apply it and see, like experiment with it and see what it does inside of my personal and professional life. And, you know, it's, it's um this has been very insightful and I really uh, appreciate you for taking the time out of your, your day. Cause we know how busy you are. We just heard about all of it. So yes. like you know, drop this wisdom on us and to yes. share this with our community.
2: Thank you my so pleasure. much. My pleasure. You know, I always say if somebody can get one tool extra and put it in their toolkit, it's a good day for me. So thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: The toolkit is overflowing with everything that you shared. Absolutely, Sam. And I'm inspired. I'm always inspired by you. But so much of the theme is just about courage. Like just be courageous to be who you are and say what you need to say, but say it kindly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And but always be kind, but be yourself, be true to yourself and be authentic. I love, I mean, let's all, you know, raise the bar for ourselves on Sam's three values, which she is clearly living at such a high level, transparency, authenticity, and kindness. I'm so inspired by that. And also just by having those core values, you know, we don't talk about that. We haven't talked about it a lot, but we do exercises with companies and people. You've got to have your core values. You know, mine are kindness, service, and excellence. And so it's the same kind of thing. Like I think about that all day long as I'm figuring out how to navigate things. How do I operate here with kindness, service, and excellence, you know? So you, you've given us so much. I mean, there's not, I can't even begin to like, I wouldn't, this is one of those episodes I'm going to listen to over and over. No, I listen to all our episodes, but I'm like I, so much incredible wisdom and so many practical tools, but also with so much heart and love, you are one of the most, lo- I mean, you're just honestly one of the most loving, but also strong, like powerful people that I know. And it's such an incredible combination. So it all came out. I I can feel people listening and getting the sense of that and being inspired by it and going out and doing things in new ways as a result of what you've shared with us. So thank you. Thank you, Sam. I just... Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. It's been a blast. Thank you. Yay.
0: You know, this was just such a pleasure. I did get a lot out of it. The way you embody... A curious mindset, like the way you like when we've been with you and your team, when we, you know, are just hanging out in the morning or, you know, before this show, like you have a genuine interest in people and in leaving things better than you found them which is a goal that we have in this show as people on this planet it's like something that you share maybe it's why we align so well and get along so well it it's great it's just a, an honor to be in company of a great mind like yourself and a strong courageous leader like yourself and like i said thank you for taking the time to be with us as i always say be good people Make good choices, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Right Questions podcast. We hope this episode sparked something that fuels your own inquiry and transformation. If you
0: like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app.
1: If you want to learn more about the work we do and how it can benefit you, check out our website, SampsonCoachingAndConsulting.com and connect with me on Instagram at the Bridget Sampson. And you can find
0: me at Todd Parker Official. We'll catch you next week. Until then, dare to ask the right questions.